In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of the Holy 50 Days after the Feast of the Resurrection, and Christ is speaking today in the Gospel reading about being the bread of life, and that he is called for the salvation of the entire world. And we read about this in verse 39 of the reading. It says, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up the last day. So it sends a message to us that God is really and truly after our salvation. Sometimes we think about God as being very quick to judge and being very um, easily and kind of capriciously even casting people away from him or casting people into hell or not wanting uh, to give people chances in order to repent or in order to change. So I want to speak a little bit about all of the work of salvation that God has done and that he desires our salvation. He desires that we inherit the kingdom of God. He desires that we be with him and live with him eternally. It doesn't mean that we cannot reject his actions or reject his love or reject his work. Of course, we can do this and any human being can choose whether they want to listen to him, obey him, submit to him, or whether they want to walk on their own apart from him. But God's desire and his intention is for all of us to be saved. First, God wants us to be enlightened with truth. This is, he wants us to understand who we are. He wants us to understand how we came to be and how we came to be in the world and the sin that we fell with that caused the world to be in the corrupted state that it's in. He, and he wants us to understand the meaning and the truth about the eternal life and that we have a place in the eternal life that God has prepared for us. In 1 Timothy 2.4, it says, Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For us to come to the knowledge that the world that we see around us is not the whole world, it's not the whole reality, it's not the, the, the all of creation or all of existence, that even though we spend an entire lifetime here in this life, and yet this life is not everything, that there is another life, a greater life, a better life, and that we should work and live for this coming life, not for this current one. So this, he wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth and through coming to the understanding and knowledge and realization of the truth of our lives here on earth and the coming life that God has prepared for us, we would be saved. He wants us all to be saved. God desires the salvation of all people. Number two, God rejoices in our salvation. He says in Luke 12, do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is, it is his good pleasure, it is what rejoices his heart, it is what is, makes him joyful when he sees his children entering into the kingdom of God. God is not quick to cast us out, actually he is quick to accept us. He is quick to receive us to himself because it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It is what he desires to do, is to give us the kingdom. Again, is it possible for us to resist him? Of course, we can resist him. But what he is calling us for is salvation. What he is calling us for is eternal life. Number three, God did not create us for destruction. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He did not create us to destroy us. He did not create us to cast us out. He did not create us so he can be angry with us. He created us so that we would obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, this is what he desires to give to us. Also, when we think about hell itself, what is it that hell was created for? 
It says in Matthew 25, then he will also say to those on the left hand, those on the left hand are the wicked, those people who have rejected God. I will say also to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Who is it that God created hell for? He did not create it for humanity. He created it for the demons. He created it for Satan. This is why hell was created. Does it mean that we can go there? Yes, we can. Again, if we reject God. But God did not initially in his own mind create a place that then he desires to cast us into it because of his wrath, because of his anger, because of his desire to destroy. No, actually it's the opposite. He created eternal life for us. He created for uh, Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden. There was no other place from the very beginning when God created mankind. He created the Garden of Eden. That is where God intended for us to be, where he intended for us to live, what he intended for us to enjoy. It was only after our sin and our fall that then we began to suffer because of our choice, because of what we chose to do, not because God desires for us to be there, not because God, it's very easy for God to cast us out. Hell was created for the, for the devil was not created for human beings. And yet we find ourselves, uh, those people who are wicked and reject God, that are cast into that place, even though it was not designed for them. It was not made for them from the very beginning. God did not create us for destruction. Number four, God accomplished our salvation on the cross. In Colossians 2, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having given his law to all of the people in the Old Testament, and seeing that no one could fulfill his law, and no one could live righteously, and no one could do according to what he commanded, he then what? He, it says what? He uh, wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Meaning those things that were impossible for us to follow, instead of judging us according to the letter of the law, he now has mercy on us, and through the grace of God, he enables us to fulfill his law, and he has mercy and forgiveness for us when we cannot fulfill it, and when we fall short of fulfilling it. So God accomplished our salvation, which means that even though for the rest of our lives, we might be living and falling short of what God is calling us for, but through our struggle and through our repentance, God forgives and he has mercy and he does not judge us according to our deeds. And we ask God in every liturgy according to your mercy, O Lord, and not according to our sins. That if we were to be judged according to our sins, according to our failings, that none of us would inherit the kingdom because all of us would fall short of it. So instead we ask God, judge us according to your mercy, according to who you are, according to your grace, judge us. Do not judge us because of our, our actions. Do not judge us because of our deeds, because in all of our deeds, we will always and continually fall short from what is God, God is calling us for. That doesn't mean that we don't try. It doesn't mean that we don't make an effort. It doesn't mean that we don't ask God for strength so that we can live according to his commandments. And it, and it certainly means that when we fall short, we must repent. And all of these are, are required from us for salvation. But again, God is merciful and God sees our actions and every positive attempt that we're trying to make and he is not quick to judge. It actually says that he is long-suffering toward us, not willing, that we should, uh, not willing that we should perish, but that we should inherit eternal life. This is God's desire for all of humanity, that he continues to have patience more and more for us to inherit eternal life. This is the desire of God. Number five, salvation is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 
nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, because only Christ died for our sins, only Christ wiped out the handwriting of the requirements against us, only Christ is the one who was crucified on the cross and took the penalty of sin on our behalf, only Christ reconciled us with God the Father. It has nothing to do with the fact that we earned this status or that we earned this salvation. It says what? That while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. While we were still sinners, we did not earn or, or achieve some status so that God decided, now is the time for me to go sacrifice myself for these people. Now they're good enough or they've attained or earned some kind of level that now they are worthy in order to receive salvation. We received salvation in the pinnacle of our unworthiness, in, 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 in the most unworthy way, that even as people were crucifying him, Christ is saving them at the same moment through their own wickedness. Christ saved us through our own wickedness. Through our own killing of him, he saved us. How much more of a salvation can there be? How much more of a love can there be? How much more of a mercy can there be? God's salvation is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot find it through our good deeds. We cannot find it through any other means or any human philosophy. This is why when we speak about the salvation of the world and people say, well, what about people that do not have the Lord Jesus Christ or people that do not believe in him, but they are good people. They are good people. They do good works. They help the poor. They do good things, but they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ at all and they do not believe in him and they reject him. What can we say about such people? I go back and I ask the question again, do we believe that salvation is through good, good deeds? Do we believe that salvation is because we are good and that we feed the poor and we give to charity? This is not, salvation does not come from this. Because none of us achieved salvation on our own until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our good deeds should be a response to the love of God. When God shows us love, we respond in love. When, when we meditate on all the sacrifice that Christ did for us and we see the manifestation of his love, this should cause us to respond in love to him and through our good deeds. It is not through good deeds that we are saved, but we cannot be saved without them. Because good deeds are the response. Good deeds are the response to the love of Christ, not to earn his love, but because of his love. There is no salvation in any other, and there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Because he is the merciful one, we go to him to receive his mercy. Number six, God continues to work out salvation in our life. Salvation was not a one-time event. Yes, salvation was established and built and began for all of us through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God continues to work daily, individually, for our salvation. Salvation is not simply accepting and believing in Christ alone, but it is continuing to work for salvation throughout our life. We read, for instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. What does that mean? It means that God continues to work for our salvation. Whenever he sends trials or difficulties or allow painful things to happen in our lives, why? For godly sorrow produces repentance. He wants us to experience the, 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 the godly sorrow. He wants us to experience the repentance of looking at our actions and being sorrowful for our actions that we have done, turning to God in repentance, and this brings salvation. Why does God send trials? To purify us, 
to transform us, to make us to be more in need of him. Everything that God allows in our life is for our salvation. So God continues to work our salvation. Our salvation is perpetually and continually a process that we are continually getting closer and closer to God all of the time. When we see our life in this lens, that God is continuing to work out our salvation and our life, it helps us to make sense maybe of some of the things that we don't understand. Why is it that God allows us to suffer? Why is it that God allows things contrary to our desires, that, that things that we wish would never have happened have happened? Maybe the answer is because God knows what is best. Just as a parent knows what's best for their child and might tell them to do things or do things to them that they don't like for their, for their benefit, that the child does not understand because they are too young to understand, and yet the parent is doing good to them, even though it causes pain to the child. So God also does good to us. Everything he allows for us is good, even if it is painful, even if it is difficult. God continues to work out our salvation. We receive it from him because we believe that he is good. We are also called to respond to understand what is it that God is doing, the work of salvation, and we respond to this work. In Hebrews 2, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? It is possible to neglect our salvation to neglect it, meaning God offers it to us. He gives it to us as a gift. And yet it is possible for me not to receive it from him. It is possible for me to push it away. It is possible that even though he gave it to me, I neglect it, I don't pay attention to it, I don't focus on it, I don't live by it. It is possible. This is why there is a judgment, and it, there, there is a judgment for the righteous and the wicked. But God does not desire this. This is not God's desire for anyone, for us to neglect it. He is constantly giving us what is good, so that we do not neglect it, so that we make use of it, so that we benefit from it. We are called to respond to the salvation that God gives. And that's why in everything that we speak about in the church, when we speak about the sacraments, partaking of the sacraments, this is a response to the love of God. We are responding to him. We say, you have offered us the Holy Spirit. We are going to make use of this. We are going to participate in the activities that grant us the grace of the Holy Spirit. When we take communion, we are abiding in Christ, and Christ is abiding in us. You have given us this free gift. We are going to take it. We are going to accept it. We're going to live with it. We're going to make it a part of our lives. We are receiving your love. We are accepting your love. You showed us love. We want to receive it. We want to live by it and not cast it aside. We are the ones who choose whether to cast God away from not or not. It is our choice. We are the ones given this free will. We are called to respond in a positive way to the love of God. Finally, our salvation should lead to the salvation of others. In Acts 13, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Meaning, we are a light that God has, has set up in the world in order for us to illuminate the world. When he says we are the light of the world and we are the salt of the earth, we are to illuminate the darkness that is in the world so that through our salvation that we have received as a free gift, 
Also, other people see the love of God and experience the same salvation that we have experienced. And this is a calling to each of us, not simply to be content with the salvation we have received and do nothing with it. Like in the parable of the talents, the person who received the one talent and they took and they buried it in the ground and they did nothing with it. God wants us to work with the gifts that he gives us, not simply to accept it and receive it and do nothing with it. We receive the gift of salvation from God. We offer that gift to everyone that we meet to everyone around us in the community, to the rest of the world, because we received it, again, not because of our goodness. We received it because of God's mercy. And so we also have mercy on those around us to receive it um, from God's hand as well. So what are the ways uh, that uh, Scripture speaks about salvation? Number one, God wants us to be enlightened with the truth. He wants us to see and understand the truth. Two, God rejoices in our salvation. He does not desire to cast us out, but it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Three, God did not create us for destruction. The, the, the Hades and hell was created for the demons, not for us. We, he, God does not intend for us to go there. He does not desire us to go there. It is not joyful for him to cast us there. Four, God accomplished our salvation on the cross. That through the cross, through his sacrifice, we might be saved. Five, salvation is only through the Lord Jesus Christ and through no one else and through no other actions, not through our good works, but only through him. Six, God continues to work out salvation in our life through the experiences that he allows us to go through, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives throughout our life. Seven, we are called to respond. Even though God gives us all of this grace and all of these gifts, we can reject it. It is our decision. It is our free will. I can choose either to accept and to receive and have eternal life, or I can choose to reject it and to choose a completely different path away from God. This is not what God intends. And then finally, our salvation should lead to the salvation of others. So during this time of the Holy 50 Days, it's a great opportunity for us to meditate on the work of salvation, on the power of the resurrection, of what Christ accomplished um, 2,000 years ago, but he continues to accomplish in our lives in a daily basis, reminding us of his presence and resurrecting us from the dead. And glory be to God forever. Amen.